0: Tell me about it, man. No, I masturbated like eight times today. Why? I don't know. The wife took the kids out there and gone for about an hour.
1: This is Hank Hill, and I'd like if I may to take on a strange journey. I'll tell you what.
0: Nine cents. Nine cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And as your host, Adam Campbell, it is great to have you. It is March thirtieth, and I have a fantabulously awesome show <laughs> for you this week. It's just me and my lonesome this week, people. Now, I've gotten a little bit of correspondence from some of you saying that you miss just having me on the show doing what I do. <laughs> Telling bad jokes and giggling at my own stupidity. Well, guess what? Congratulations. <laughs> this one's for you. Now, you will note I am a little stuffy. So I, I do apologize for that. Can't help it. Can't be helped. I tried to take something for it and it did not end up working. However, I'm not actually sick anymore. Which, for me, is it's it's an amazing thing. I, I'm always damn sick. But not today. Not today. Alright, so I, this entire damn weekend, I have been so far completely crazy freaking busy aside from the freelance work and painting the bathroom which by the way windows open fans going i still got high as hell painting my bathroom i don't know what it is about it's like i can't help not getting high off paint i mean huffing it doesn't help but aside from that i i literally did everything i could not to get high and uh yeah still got high it's crazy. There's this weird moment where you don't even realize that you're high from paint fumes while you're painting. And I was painting the ceiling. So head cranked back, looking up. My arms are all getting tired. Uh, I bring my my head and arm down and put the, the roller back in the uh, little tray there and stood up for... I don't know, just a half a second, and almost fell the fuck over from <laughs> just my head spinning and being completely... I felt normal right until the point where I stood right back up. and I was just like, whoa. Whoa. I am not normal. This has happened to me a couple times if I've drank too much or something where... You know, it's like a, an awakening of sorts. You don't realize how drunk you are until you stand up and try to turn around. And then you're just like, whoa, I'm really fucking drunk. I thought I was sober. I am not sober at all. That happened to me with the paint fumes. I thought I was doing great. Fans and windows and everything, but not enough. Still high. All right, so uh, finally got my damn bathroom painted. The remodeling went famously. I mean, the entire thing, it looks so much better and of course there's no more water damage which is just it's amazing it's been there since we moved in and now it's gone and it's a, a wonderful wonderful feeling uh that you know obviously you guys give a damn i mean <laughs> you don't care if i'm pooping in a room that's nice or not <laughs> oh, Poop. all right let's talk about the show wait before we talk about the show, a couple more things. The Get to Know the Voices of Nine Cents Aden Arden episode is out, people! I just released it this morning. Or as you're listening to this, yesterday morning. Uh, the next one, Aaron, is going to be out probably next weekend. Uh, I I noticed something about the Aden Arden one. I had, I had recorded the show before that episode, and I was drinking a glass of wine when I was recording the show. And then during his... Uh, recording of, uh, the Get to Know episode, I was drinking, and so, you'll notice that, like, my lip is, like, super crazy dark, and this is just from one and a half glasses of wine, like, super crazy dark line on my lip, I look like I have black teeth, <laughs> just because I was drinking a glass of Malbec beforehand, and it just totally stays, so I look like a total junkie, <laughs> like a wino, a hobo on the side of the road in that, in that, uh, episode i do apologize for that i did not even realize it until i looked at it as i was editing it and i was like oh fuck (laughs) i can't i can't just superimpose a picture over my face so (laughs) everyone's gonna see my purple damn teeth (laughs) it was completely embarrassing um all right hey you know what at the top of the show you heard that little hank hill drop how about you leave me your own drop how about, and you know, just, just thinking out loud here, how about you call 801-899-6168 and leave me your own intro of you saying, I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Say it however you'd like in your voice or an impersonation's voice or whatever. I've gotten a lot of them so far, and I really do appreciate everyone's time uh, doing that. Now, that phone number, 801 801- 899-6168 is a voicemail. It's the Google voice uh, answering machine. It is not. I will not be picking it up. <laughs> so, don't expect to hear anyone if you're hesitating or worried about doing it right. Take your time. Call it in. Leave me a drop and I'll play it on the air. I appreciate everyone who's done it so far. But, uh, yeah, man. It's, it's going to be a really good show. I've got another topic from 18th Key here. And this is in the Devil's Advocate segment, we're going to do uh, the first satanic sti- uh, bah, I can't even talk. Uh, the first satanic sin, stupidity. This is going to be a good, good discussion. And in the Infernal Informant Ethics Board, Substantial Belief McMorris Rogers Misused Funds. And Koch Brothers Spending Freely Hones Attack on Government. And in the Creature Feature, I'm going to bring you an interview that I'm going to be recording as I'm recording this. It a little bit <laughs> with uh, Jeremy Villarreal, uh, the gentleman who created my wolf's hook cufflinks. So, I'm going to talk about him being a, a, a wood or a metal worker and you know how he got that inspiration started doing it as a young man. And uh, he's very, very crazy talented. So, I'm looking forward to this discussion. And that'll be at the second half of the show. Oh, god damn, you know, have you ever had like a craving? I this is completely out of context, but. I've been craving Popeye's chicken all day. <laughs> like, it, it's been weeks or a month, maybe months since the last time I had it, and it just suddenly I was like thinking, "Damn, I could go for some Popeye's chicken." <laughs> it's weird, they're not a sponsor. I have no idea why. I just uh, it, it's crazy. So Utah only has two Popeyes chickens. I think they may have used to have a church's chicken, but they don't have it anymore. And of course, they have KFC. KFC chicken sucks. It is the worst fast food fried... And I know you're going to say, oh, you shouldn't be eating fast food chicken at all. Okay, great. Go make fried chicken every day. I don't have it all the time, but when I do have it, it is Wonderful. Uh, not KFC. So KFC chicken is shit. It is just pure garbage. I I think of eating KFC and I think of that stomach ache I'm going to have afterward. It is really, really gross. And all their stupid commercials cannot change that fact. And so when Utah finally got a Popeye's, it was crazy busy. Like there was one at the Air Force Base up north, but that's like an hour and a half drive to get there. And I'm not really into chicken that much (laughs) so when they had one that was like 15 minutes away uh through the freeway i was like okay you know i'll I'll definitely go check it out and the first couple times we went it was it was like a 30 minute wait i mean lines out the door around the block this is how starved utahns are for good fried chicken it is insane uh but it's worth it it's really worth it it's fantastic food and anyway i just started thinking you know I, i i'm hungry i want some chicken and while I'm eating chicken and watching Cosmos, I think I might, uh, yeah, I might have a beer. <laughs> Completely out of, like, I don't know, sorry. I just, uh, craving popped up. Maybe I'm pregnant. Fuck, I hope I'm not pregnant. I'm not ready for another kid yet. Oh, goddamn. In nomine de nostris, Tannis, and very excelsior. In the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king. Though I'm an active member, I do not speak for the church of Satan. The Nine Satanic Sins, the first of this list. Stupidity, the top of the list for Satanic Sins. The cardinal sin of Satanism. It's too bad that stupidity isn't painful. Ignorance is one thing, but our society thrives increasingly on stupidity. It depends on people going along with whatever they're told. The media promotes a cultivated stupidity as a posture is not only acceptable, but laudable. Satanists must learn to see through the tricks and cannot afford to be stupid. So this was suggested to me by uh, a gentleman, 18th Key, who sent me a number of, of episode topics. And so I'll be hitting a couple of those uh, as we move through the year. This one, I thought, and I've talked about the Nine Satanic Sins entirely before on a different, um, I think it was the first year I was doing this podcast, uh, back in uh, 2011, I think. And um, I spoke to it then, I'll speak to it this time, but specifically just to stupidity, and in the context of how it's presented. So I think generally when we think of stupidity uh, throughout our days, we think of it as sort of an individual's fault. Like, for example, someone just refuses to believe a truth that's put in front of them. But what I believe uh, Anton LaVey is speaking to when he wrote this in 87 was that it's something that society is creating and people are going with it. So, he speaks specifically to media-cultivated stupidity, meaning the television. And, you know, Anton LeVay has written extensively about the idea of TV being God for the masses. And nowadays, I would say it'd be social networking. I saw this uh, idea promoted on a couple different, <laughs> ironically enough, social media sites. But, um, it's true. It's It's absolutely true. So when we when when we are engaged in and let's talk about television first and then I'll move to social media when we're engaged with television and it's strictly a a, a one direction message um and we we're really struck with mindless reality tv shows sensationalist news uh hyperbole rampant through every message Everything is incredibly important, and flashing, and quick, and cut, and timed, and, and processed. There's no real thought, and and shows that do promote real thought don't last very long. Because real thought creates individualism, and that's not what popular culture wants. That's not what the media wants, because we have to look what's behind media, and we had, you know, when we think about television traditionally, I think people think about the shows that are on television. Well, how do you think those shows can afford to be on the television? It's not from your measly monthly fee. It's from just like the same reason there's magazines and newspapers. It's it's from advertisers. They're the ones that are paying for the show. They're paying the salary of everyone that's on that show. So when you're watching a TV show that you you love... Uh, you're not actually watching the show, you're watching a package around the advertising. <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of it. I'm I'm in advertising, I know this for a fact. In fact, they used to be so transparent about it, they've gotten a little bit more um, uh, sneaky lately, but it used to be shows brought to you by, insert brand name here, So there was, like, no hiding it at all. They would would have the sponsor in the title of the show. That's TV, people. You're not watching entertainment. You're not watching moving pictures. You're (laughs) talking about a dated reference. You're watching an advertiser's message and advertisers don't want you to be independent free-thinking people they want you to buy their shit and so they have to tell you that the only way to buy their stuff is to think a certain way is to act a certain way is to be a certain way project an idea that you see as desirable and then you will do everything you can to do it axe body spray does this so transparently through sex it is crazy um They've gotten a little bit more creative nowadays, uh, Old Spice, with uh, creativity and humor. They've been, uh, and this was actually a couple years ago, so I don't know if it's super recent. But, you know, their commercials were really entertaining uh, and so and, and different. And so it drew people in. And so rather than focusing on the show you were watching, you're focusing on the behavior, uh, an undesirable outcome of using X or uh, um, Old Spice. That's just a small example. They do it with babies and uh, to use a specific diaper brand or you know whatever it is. They are training you, advertisers, to live a certain way, to be a certain way. They're telling you what is the desirable way of existing. And the masses, by and large, the stupid, mindless sheep, eat it up. Stupidity. to their detriment. They do it. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Koch brothers uh, in Infernal Informant segment next. And they're doing the same thing. It it gets you to vote against your own self-interest. It gets you to behave in ways that are actually the opposite of what you would naturally do otherwise. It convinces you to be a sheep. And so that's that's part of what he's speaking to in stupidity. Is going along with the herd because you just bought into the advertising that's available and the media is telling you how to act and how to think and how to dress and how to be and you are eating it up you see the entire hippie movement doing this you see the hipster movement you see uh, musical genre groups doing this goths turned into this i mean any group that becomes wildly popular in the media, guess what? You're being a sheep. You are no longer hip and cool, air quotes, whatever the fuck those mean. You are no longer independent. You are now just one of the herd. You thought you were being so original because you liked Marilyn Manson. Guess what? He's a douchebag. His music's okay. But dressing like him and carrying around a little lunchbox, you're not original. You're not a free thinker. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I love it when people identify with lyrics of music, and the, and they they sort of own it themselves. Then they're like, I, "I believe I'm so independent because I think I think of this line, and it, it just really encapsulates everything I am and the way I see the world." Guess what? There are literally tens of thousands of people at least that say the exact same thing. So how original are you really? And the fact that you're stealing something from someone else. You're stealing something that someone else wrote as a way of personifying your true self. Your your inner being. You're a fucking copy of that other fucking person. You're not original. You're not different. You're a fucking sheep. The only difference is you're wearing black lipstick. Come on! It's, I don't. God, it's so frustrating to see it over and over again. There, then that's why you see so many Satanists latching on, or um, truly just identifying and, and uh, expressing times gone by that are no longer uh no longer exciting or or promoted as hot in modern day society. And people see him as oh wow that that guy or that girl is like way out of fashion date. Yeah, we are! That's a good thing! We do not hop on the newest trend! It's so shocking how this relates to virtually everything else in Satanism. And that's why it's the number one sin, stupidity! You cannot be an original, free-thinking, question-all-things human being if you are following every single trend that popular culture tells you to follow! You just can't do it. So shows aside, I mean, you know, there are some good shows on television and watching those shows does not mean you're a mindless sheep and the television is your new god. But if you are following along with popular culture, if you are anxiously awaiting the next American Idol outcome, chances are, uh, you're fucking stupid. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) It's, it's popular culture 101, man. Advertising. It's all about the money. Stupidity. It's not just for kids anymore. <laughs> it's on the TV. Pumped in. Okay, so, I mean, that was television and advertising. What about social media? Well, yes, advertising is breaking through and, and owning social media. Twitter is virtually useless now. Um, Facebook is virtually useless now. But that doesn't stop certain groups from uh, collecting in these spaces and communicating. But what are they communicating? And here's the frustrating part of all of this. You're encouraged to communicate the most meaningless shit. And and if, if someone else posts something, you're encouraged to like it? click a like button or put a little smiley face or to put up a little uh, quick phrased quip and and somehow that is a meaningful dialogue that's that's a back and forth that is worthwhile to you (laughs) it's it's truly shocking because you you start perpetuating behavior based on the social networking and the interaction of those you follow in social networking and you start saying well if that's friend has those friends maybe I'll reach out to those friends and it starts to be this collecting game and it's no longer about you communicating with other friends that you know and have it's now you communicating with people that you don't know you don't have any clue who they are you're just trying to reach out to get sort of a a popularity tag and that's the stupidest possible thing you could do in the world because life success achievement strength has nothing to do with a like or a tweet, or a follow, or or a retweet. It, uh, nothing at all. It's shocking to me. I mean, this is why I, I really drew away from my uh, personal life uh, in in social networking, and I just use it to update people about this show. Is because it's there's nothing worthwhile in it. I mean, sure. If you are a business and you want to promote yourself, well then, yeah, that's great because you get to find out about, you know, new projects and stuff. And, and that's wonderful if you're just on the business side. But at what point is this just like TV again? Where there's no more worthwhile independent discourse. There's no more encouraging thought. Now it's just advertising, advertising, advertising. And you buying into it and you eating it up And you shitting it back out on your Facebook feed or your Twitter feed. Stew fucking pity. That's all it is. And we're buying into it. It's a fucking sin, people. Now, of course, every single one of these nine satanic sins, it's not like Christian sins where you're going to have to go and and confess and do a Hail Mary. Any of these sort of tongue-in-cheek you know, they were they were not written originally as canon. As, you know, this is the Satanism 101. You must follow these rules and this these are the sins that you must not commit or else you are not a Satanist. Well, you know, everyone slips. Everyone's pretentious from time to time. Everyone thinks solipsic, slips, solipsistic thoughts. There we go. <laughs> Once in a while. And you know what? We see stupidity in our own actions. What makes it satanic is recognizing it and doing your damnedest not to repeat it. Of course, we're human, so we're going to slip. But the reality is, is as long as you're going into this with your eyes open, as long as you are improving and correcting yourself and being honest with your actions, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Just <laughs> Don't be a douchebag and move on. Don't be stupid and move on. You catch yourself being stupid, stop. Most important part. <laughs> and move on. So, that's what I'm going to do with this segment. Stop and move on. Here we go. Hey, what's going on there? Uh in full form. You know what? You out there. All right, this is from the hill. Ethics Board's Substantial Belief in McMorris-Rogers' Misused Funds by Russell Berman, posted on the 24th. An independent Congressional Ethics Board found substantial reason to believe that Representative Kathy McMorris-Rogers of Washington, the fourth high-ranking Republican in the House, improperly used official funds for campaign activities. The full findings of the Office of the Congressional Ethics, OCE, were made public for the first time on Monday by the White House Ethics Committee, which is extending its review of the allegations against her. The OCE also found McMorris-Rogers improperly combined taxpayer and campaign resources during her winning campaign to become chairman of the House Republican Conference in 2012. But Ethics Committee Chairman Mike Conway, Republican from Texas, and Representative Linda Sanchez of California, the top Democrat, declined to impanel an investigative subcommittee on the matter, which emerged out of a complaint to the OCE. Elliot Burke, an attorney for the Congresswoman, denied the claims made by her former spokesman Todd Weiner as well as the OCE's finding, in a 21-page letter to the leaders of the ethics committee that also was released on Monday. Burke characterized Weiner as a disgruntled former employee and referred to statements by his colleagues that Weiner had become dark and twisted, and acted in a manner that left them concerned for their safety. Quote, We recognize the institutional constraints the ethics committee is under, and understand that um, I'm sorry, it was unable to conduct a full review during the first 90-day period, Burke said in a statement we remain confident that in time the committee will dismiss the complaint which is based on frivolous allegations from a single source a former employee who then discredited himself by admitting to his own improper conduct end quote in his letter to the committee berg urged the panel to investigate weiner for misconduct weiner who now serves as a chief spokesman of uh, for representative uh, raul Labr- labrador <laughs> Labrador yet, really, Republican from Idaho, did not respond to a request for comment. Michael Steele, a spokesman for Speaker John Boehner, Republican Ohio, said the Speaker retained full confidence in the woman he picked to deliver the GOP's official response to President Obama's State of the Union address in January. Steele said he did not believe Boehner was aware of the ethics complaint when she was selected to give the speech. The allegations against McMorris Rogers centered on her re-election bid in 2012 and her subsequent leadership campaign to serve as the House GOP conference chairwoman, which made her the party's highest ranking woman in the chamber. In its 32-page report, the OCE recommended the full Ethics Committee review the allegations concerning the use of official resources because it found, quote, "...there is substantial reason to believe that Representative McMorris-Rogers used congressional funds, staff, and offices for campaign activities." specifically the oce referred to several instances in which staffers from the congresswoman's house office performed campaign duties on official time in violation of house rules as well as other times when mcmorris rogers held debate prep sessions in her congressional office during the 2012 election cycle when mcmorris rogers launched her bid to move one spot up the leadership ladder the oce found reason to believe she improperly combined congressional and campaign resources in violation of the house rules the oce also said she used campaign funds to pay political consultant Brett O'Donnell despite him telling the Ethics Board he was hired to work for her in her official capacity. In releasing the OCE report and announcing its decision to extend its review, the Ethics Committee issued its customary declaration that the move does not itself indicate that any violation had occurred or reflect any judgment on behalf of the committee. The OCE pointed to trips staffers took to the Congresswoman's Home District in Spokane, Washington, and the 2012 Republican National Convention in Tampa, Florida that were billed to taxpayers even though they were working for her campaign. For a trip to Spokane in early October, for example, the OCE found a majority of staff time was devoted to campaign activity and McMorris Rogers' office could not provide documentation for official work that her staff conducted in the district. Burke argued in his rebuttal that it was Weiner who was principally guilty of performing campaign activities on official time. At no time had any employee been coerced into doing campaign work, Burke wrote, citing statements by Top McMorris Rogers staffers. He described Weiner as a political animal who was eager to volunteer for campaign activity. It now appears incontrovertible that Mr. Weiner engaged in campaign activity using official resources, Burke wrote. As Mr. Weiner remains a House employee, we trust that committee will review his conduct accordingly. Burke quoted McMorris Rogers chief of staff Jeremy Deutsch in describing Weiner's increasing disengagement and strange behavior and his tenure came to an end in 2012. Mr. Weiner's behavior became dark and twisted. One slammed a car door in Mr. Deutsch's face and used profanity in a restaurant. (laughs) Gasp. Uh, McMorris Rogers did acknowledge at least one misstep in her interviews with the OCE discussing campaign debate prep in her Rayburn house office in 2012. Burke said the reason occurred as part of a broader meeting, and Mr. Uh, and McMorris Rogers, then a mother of two, recommended the location because she knew her home was noisy and her young, uh, with her young children. Nevertheless, Congressman McMorris Rogers regrets that the conversation occurred at that location, conveyed that regret to the OCE during its inquiry, and extends that regret to the committee, uh, Burke wrote. So, she used campaign, uh, I'm sorry, official funds for campaign purposes. This is, uh, I I bring this out to point out that the lines are are getting more and more blurred. And there's good reason not to use official funds for personal re-election. Because official funds are our money. The taxpayers, the people that these are representatives are supposed to be representing. So let's put it this way. If I did not vote this woman into office and she's out promoting on my dime, I might as well have supported her because she's using my money. Now, there are a billion and ten ways for her to get massive amounts of illegal funds donations, I should say, Um, through different packs, uh, just through uh, traditional campaign funds, because you don't have, there's no more limit on how much uh, big business can uh, put into your campaign. So it's not like she needs the taxpayers' money. It's just the, the shocking fact that she doesn't fucking care. And it's not just her, McMorris, I mean, it. it, or I'm sorry, McMorris-Rogers, it's just politicians in general. The idea that no longer is there a separation between their official time working for us and their re-election bids. Like, it's all rolled into one. Like, no longer, and you know, this may be a no-duh moment for everyone uh, listening, but they don't work for us they work for the donors that got them into the office they talk a lot of smack on media outlets so that they can get enough street cred to be reelected, and then during their time in office work at just getting reelected. so at no point in the process of being a politician are they like i wonder what john smith in my home district thinks they don't give a damn they don't care And, you know, I don't bring this up to say that, you know, we shouldn't uh, keep an eye on politics anymore. We shouldn't even concern ourselves with it because it affects our lives. So, yes, we should be involved in it. But what we need to do is make sure that there's harder oversight over these politicians. Make sure that they get punished for abusing taxpayers' money. And then get money out of politics. Stop allowing anonymous donations to politicians for their election campaigns. Stop allowing businesses to support individuals. We should have a representative democracy. and We can't do that when there's money from big business paving the way for politicians. This can't be done. So let us punish these politicians. Let us have extra oversight over what they're doing, and let's get money out of politics. And there's a couple of PACs working on that right now. You should go out on your own, look it up, because I'm not going to endorse any. Do yourself a favor if you care about politics or if you care about political influence on your own life and do something about it. All right, the next one here. Koch group spending freely, homes attack, On government. And this is by Charles Hulse and Ashley Parker, posted March 20. Sorry, this is the New York Times. Washington, Americans for Prosperity. The group backed by David H. and Charles G. Koch that has been pouring millions of dollars into competent. No drinking here, folks. (laughs) I'm drinking water, and I still can't speak. Uh, Competitive Senate races to the rising alarm of Democrats, who also among the politically active groups on the ground in this month's special House election in Florida Gulf's coast. But its agenda had little little to do with the fate of David Jolly, the Republican candidate who won that race. The group's ground troops, including those who knocked on doors, ran phone banks, and reached out through social media to gauge ways to motivate voters, were part of a much greater project, with a prize much larger than a congressional seat. Americans for Prosperity turned the Florida contest into its personal electoral laboratory to fine-tune get-out-the-vote tools and messaging for future elections as it pursues its overarching goals of convincing Americans that big government is bad government. As the group emerges as a dominant force in the 2014 midterm elections, spending up to 10 times as much as any major outside Democratic group so far, officials of the organization say that their efforts is not confined to hammering away at President Obama's Affordable Care Act. They're also trying to present the law as a case study in government ineptitude to change the way voters think about the role of government for years to come quote "We have a broader cautionary tale," said Tim Phillips, President for the Americans for Prosperity. The president's out there touting billions of dollars on climate change. We want Americans to think about what they pro- uh, I'm sorry, what they promised with the last social welfare bond <laughs> boondoggle and look at what the actual result is. End quote. Leaders of the effort say it's great appeal to the businessmen and businesswomen whose finance, who, the operations, and who believe that excess regulation and taxation are harming their enterprises and threatening the future of the country. The Koch, with billions in holdings in energy, transportation, and manufacturing, have a significant interest in seeing that future government regulation is limited. Democrats say their own research has shown that voters are skeptical about candidates who benefit from political spending by super rich businessmen with an anti government ideology. The notion that two billions. I'm sorry, billionaires are bankrolling Republican candidates because they support an agenda that is good for the Koch brothers and bad for middle class families is very persuasive to voters, said Matt Cantor, the deputy executive director for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. The little-noticed Florida field operation, and a similar one in Virginia during the governor's race last year, were part of the group's efforts to apply the well-honed data-centric business practices of the Koch brothers, as well as undisclosed donors, to devise an approach that is not only smarter, sleeker, and spryer, but also one that provides more bang for the big bucks. In Florida, the group tested the effectiveness of messages, including sentiment toward the president's health law. The organization's Facebook page features photos of its grassroots activists knocking on doors in Florida, clad in white t-shirts emblazoned with the green visage of Ronald Reagan. We're focusing on optimizing our efforts, said James Davis of Freedom Partners, a Koch-influenced trade association that distributes hundreds of millions of dollars to to Americans for Prosperity and other conservative groups. Being in the field and testing during the slower periods and in smaller areas allows you to refine strategy and tactics so that you can make the larger investment investments with confidence. Two years ago, Americans for Prosperity spent more than $100 million, but Mr. Obama was re-elected and the Democrats held the Senate, despite the group's investments in Indiana, Wisconsin, Florida, and other key states. Afterward, the organization underwent a rigorous self-analysis, as it usually does in election cycles. Does it have the right personnel in the right positions? How effective was it work, working in the field? Was it using data well? Was it messaging right? That's an awful lot of introspection there, said Rick Wilson, a Republican strategist. AFP is dedicated to research. They are dedicated to doing this in a quantifiable way. The group, for instance, analyzed the available data determining which of their ads performed best and held focus group sessions. Among the most recognizable changes from 2012 is that Americans for Prosperities is now producing testimonial style ads and carrying out an elaborate field effort, spending more than 30 million dollars already in at least eight states with the crucial Senate races and in some House districts as well. Many of Americans for Prosperity's current ads feature women talking directly to the camera, explaining how Mr. Obama's health care law has hurt them and their families. The group has just repurposed one of its original ads for Colorado, where Republicans see a new opportunity with a woman saying, quote, Obamacare doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The tagline now urges voters to call Senate... I'm sorry, Senator Mark Udall, the Colorado Democrat facing re-election about the law. The Democrats and others have challenged the specifics of the ad and the use of actors in some of the spots, but Americans for Prosperity has not retreated. The organization also switched to a more business-minded approach in the production of its ad, moving from larger relaying in a single company to soliciting bids from a larger number of firms, according to people outside the Koch's network, with knowledge of its efforts. Um, this actually goes on for a little bit, so I'm not going to go uh, any longer in reading this. But to the point here, we have a group that is pro-deregulation or no regulation of business spending un- unequaled money. Nowhere in any history of our country has this much money been spent <laughs> before the election is this far away from the election, ever, it has not been done, There we're going to be seeing a push that is harder and more focused than ever before by corporation trying to influence government more than they already are. Which is stunning, because you think about all of the politicians that are in power right now are corporatists. So they're already bowing down to corporate will. And the only tiny little shred left is us, the public, saying, well, think about us at least when you're dropping a deuce, please. I mean, we would just like to have you think about us once in a while. Every other second of the day, it's about moving that corporate money. And now, they don't even want... The politicians think about us when they're dropping a deuce. They want it all. I am wildly anti-corporation. I don't mind individual success, but when that transcends individual and it becomes a force that is influencing politics, which affects my life, when it becomes a force that ruins my economy, ruins my environment for the benefit of a few people, I think that's a really bad thing. And it, you don't have to be a member of any party to see that the Koch brothers and their <clears throat> excuse me um, Americans for Prosperity group and and this isn't the their only group that they're doing that they're using to uh, influence politics. The only way, and I guess this is the theme here, uh, is stupidity. the The only way that they can trick you into voting their way is through this data analyzed advertising and people are eating it up so talk about specifics here Uh, (laughs) president obama's affordable care act doesn't work it just doesn't what okay why doesn't it work what about it does not work now they moved to that very vague ad intentionally because their facts don't don't pay out they, The only way that they can convince you to that the Affordable Care Act is bad is to lie about it. And then they get called out and they have to change their ad and just be crazy vague about it. And that's what's crazy is that it doesn't matter if it's not true. It doesn't matter that it's vague. By and large, the vast majority of people still believe it. Oh, well, I don't want to like Obama, so his Affordable Care Act must be bad. Big government, it's bad. Well, why is it bad? It just is. There's no fucking reason behind anything that they're saying. And they don't even need to give you a fucking reason. You're just eating it up and buying it because they're fucking selling it to you. Stupidity, number one. It's all advertising and you are stupid, literally stupid, for believing it. Because it forces you to act, think, and vote against your own self-interest. There's nothing more anti-satanic than that. Acting outside of your self-interest. We got people doing it all over. Big surprise. This world is full of sheep. It's infuriating when we see Satanists doing this, though. And no, again, I'm not saying you should follow any particular party or none of them. I don't care what you do individually. But look at what's going on and realize that if you're believing these commercials, these, these 10 second clips, these air quote testimonials from middle America young housewives, you're believing a lie that was created for the intent purpose of getting you to vote against your own self-interest. Have fun with that. Fucking stupid. Alright, that's gonna do it for the Infernal Format. <laughs> it's all stupidity. <laughs> this whole episode! Alright, next up, uh Creature Feature. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, the creature the feature, the feature. Welcome to another creature feature. Today, I'm being joined by Jeremy Villarreal, and I'm going to be talking to him a little bit about the uh, talent that he has, the the Wolf's Hook cufflink he created for me, and hopefully get to know another Satanist a little bit better. Jeremy, how are you, my man? I'm
1: wonderful. How are you?
0: Very good. Thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: this is really, really cool. So uh, a little context here for the listeners. I was bitching about a link that I had made for me by, a, a, I guess, air quotes, professional service that does them. And I was getting a, a, a wolf's hook inside of a trapezoid as the design. And it's just something that I've sort of identified with for a long time. And it didn't come out very well at all with <laughs> the professional service. And so uh, you took it upon yourself to create one for me, and you sent it off to me, and I am absolutely blown away by uh, what you put up and i shared it everywhere i could and everyone i talked to was absolutely uh excited about it and loved it so i definitely wanted to have you on to talk about not only that but just the process of bending metals to your will i think is really fucking cool so uh before we dive into i guess the the artistic side of it. Let's do a little bit of get to know. So, uh, Jeremy, can you tell us uh, the audience a little bit about who you are?
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm born and raised in Denver, Colorado. Um, I was about 14 when I first picked up the satanic Bible. Um, as we often hear, um, opening it up and reading it. I read myself in the pages of that. Um, and it was fantastic. Finally, I connected with something that described me and it was, it was awesome. Um, so that being the case, um, I have, you know, always been interested in finding satanic, you know, ritual items, satanic, um, you know, sigils of Baphomet, um, you know, that sort of thing. And they can be hard to come by sometimes. Um, And I, you know, so I've been just very interested in finding high quality jewelry for, you know, people like us.
0: Yeah. That's cool. And so that's, that's what got you on the path of doing it yourself?
1: Yeah. Um, well, to start off with, I apprenticed to a silversmith when I was younger, um, for about four years and he taught me a lot and I, I, I do all kinds of art, but I definitely prefer metalwork. Um, there's something about the permanence of it, and I frankly, I love hitting stuff with hammers all day. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> so. stress reliever there, I suppose, is so great.
0: Well, you said you, you were uh, artistic in other ways. What, what other thi- uh, I guess, media uh, capture your your passion?
1: Um, all kinds of stuff. I do acrylic painting, I do um, some woodworking. Um, I do some sculpting. Um, I've been in a couple local art shows in Denver and, you know, I just various mixed media stuff. Um, I, I love creating things. It's one of my passions.
0: That's very cool. Where do you think that comes from? Do you have artistic parents or is this something new?
1: No, this is, it's something that I've had through my whole life. Um, I, I, I love being able to create, a a sense of permanence in the world, something that says that I was there, something that, that yeah. proved I was there and, and will last longer than me. <laughs>
0: cool. Yeah. Well, I, I'm obviously very, very grateful for you doing it, but I was kind of curious what made you want to uh create the, the leg um
1: Well, I heard, I heard about your problem. I, I listen to your podcast all the time. And I, I think it's a shame when someone is seeking quality um, and they have an expectation and then it's not met. Um, and I, I find, especially when it comes to, you know, satanic jewelry, there, there are some people out there that offer really shoddy stuff. And I, 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 I think it's a shame. And I would love to make things that I'm passionate about. Um, I love working in silver. I, you know, I'm obviously as a Satanist, I love being able to provide that sort of thing for people. And um, so basically I wanted to contact you. I, I wanted you to, to be able to get your hands on something that was of quality and to demonstrate, um, you know, something that I could do.
0: Is this something that you would be willing to do for other people?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I uh, look forward to it. Actually, I'm have a couple commission pieces right now in the works and yeah, for sure. That's badass.
0: Well, let me ask you a little bit about the the process. If, if I could, what, what goes into this? So, I mean, from, you know, I'm very much a digital and, you know, a little bit of watercolor, a little acrylic, mostly pen and ink type artist. What a what is it like creating it from the pencil sketch to a physical piece in your hand? Can you and I don't want, you know, crazy detail about what goes on, but maybe you could talk a little bit about the process of sh- of putting the piece together.
1: Yeah. Um well, it's the the first challenge is actually sourcing metal. Um, where I'm at, there's very few sources to actually get, um, quality silver and gold and that sort of thing. Um, so you source the metal, um, and then beyond that, I, you know, when I consult with people like, like you, for example, I try to be as detailed as possible of what exactly it is that you want and expect, um, see if I can meet that expectation and, you know, design something that, that. You want that that you know showcases my ability. Um, I after I've sourced the metal, um, you know, we cut it down into pieces. Um, it involves a lot of hammer work. Um, yours specifically involved a lot of hand filing and um, you know fine detail work. There are a lot of shops out there that you know put some metal and they shoot a laser at it, and you get something that was basically made by a machine. Um, my stuff is time and skill by hand, um, you know, done by me. So,
0: yeah. Well, it, I, I can attest firsthand that it's, it's really, really amazing quality. And I want to speak to that, the, the interaction process as well, because I, I have it from both ends. So when I first commissioned the piece, uh, through the, uh, corporate entity that I I went through that, you know, I had a little bit of a one-on-one with a salesperson and, Very much, they were just, oh, yes, we can do that. It's not going to be a problem. Everything that you want, it's going to end up looking amazing. And I got it, and there was no proof or anything, and it was a piece of junk, essentially. Um, Not even heavy enough for a fucking paperweight. That's the the (laughs) hard fucking reality of it. So, you know, going through the process, very much everything is going to be fine. You're going to be very happy. We've done this a billion times and, and uh, our experience with this will make a great product and so I, the interaction I had with you was let me know the design let's talk specifics I want details about you know you're very much detail oriented during the process uh, and and I had like updates throughout the process which was some just an amazing experience traditionally working with contract artists you get this where you know you get progress shots for example with, with the company I went through they didn't give me any progress anything obviously they're just trying to pump out a piece of shit and make some money and so it was very refreshing being able to get that contract artist experience uh, firsthand uh, when I was working with you and then you sent it off to me and the packaging was spectacular just everything all in was a really really fantastic experience What do you think – what are the limits of your capability? I mean can you think of a design that's inspired – and maybe we'll even go with the sigil of Baphomet for an example that's maybe a little too complex for uh, a medallion or anything like that or are you quite capable of handling it all?
1: You know, um, it would would have to be taken on a case-by-case basis. Um, I am looking forward to create – to creating a sigil and, um, you know, I – I'm looking forward to creating anything that anybody likes to approach me on. If it's something that I can't do, um, I'll be straightforward with them and let them know that. Um, yeah. but there's, I, I can do a lot, Adam. I can do a lot. <laughs> Very
0: cool. I mean, there's some like rings and stuff that I, I might be tapping down the shoulder for here, in the, in the near future as well. Yeah, but, um, what about outside of, uh, Satanist centric, uh, imagery i mean are you are you comfortable doing pretty much any contract work for for anyone say it's you know like a like a a anniversary for a wedding gift or something like that i mean is it are are you just wide open for that stuff
1: yeah i am um you know of course i'm not you know i would have to I, at this point, I haven't sold out yet. <laughs> so, right. you know, if I don't like the person. If someone if someone approaches me with something ridiculous, I'm not going to do it. I had a guy uh, approach me wanting a marijuana leaf and, and stuff like this. And I, I, I'm i not interested in that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, actually one of my pieces that I'm, um, you know, being commissioned right now to do is for an anniversary ring um, that was basically two symbols that, uh, you know, there was the man and the woman and they both identified with these symbols and we came up with a symbol together combining the two and so I've been commissioned to do that work as well um I I I love I love the metal work and I'm it doesn't have to be limited to satanism um just so long as it is something that uh you know I can connect with I can be proud of to make
0: yeah so so you were doing the designing for the piece as well
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yours was very specific. You had a, you had a specific thing in mind, but, um, with regards to the, uh, upcoming, um, anniversary rings, um, that I'm doing, I did help design them actually. Yeah. That's cool.
0: Well, let me ask you from a, um, a business side of things. Does that, and and I ask because I, I work a lot with designing, but mine's websites and magazine ads and banners and stuff like that. So mine's a little bit different here, but is the, is the design process for you do you like that more or or less, w- generally when working with clients when it comes to something physical that you have to create?
1: Um, I'm very creative, so I, I, I love every opportunity that I get to actually design things. Um, but it's very important to me that you know my customers, my clients get what they want. Um, if someone approaches me with uh, a vague idea, you know they're not very sure what they're interested in. I can work with them and throw out some ideas. But um, it definitely helps if someone has a you know a good good idea of what they're looking for and you know yeah.
0: sort of thing. Is there is there a, a bit of a markup for that as well?
1: It depends on what's going on. I, I spent um, a couple hours with this guy um, helping him with his design, and you know, I it really depends. It depends on how long I, I spend on it. You know. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I mean. Where can people reach out to you? Uh, is there anywhere that they could see any of your work, anything like that?
1: Um, I, I am in the process of creating a website. haven't done it yet. Um, I do have a portfolio I can send interested people. Um, anybody that is interested in any in um, metalwork uh, or jewelry design can contact me at at yahoo.com. Okay, and
0: I'll also include that in the show notes uh, to alleviate any misspellings of tertiary. But uh, so, so you know, you can just click through on that link um, on any of the social networking sites or on the website as well. Uh, let me—I guess by, by way of closing out the discussion, can we talk about scale? I mean, you know, we've been talking about jewelry and stuff like that, but what about larger scale items or artistic um, wall pieces? Are you capable of doing that?
1: um yes actually one uh, a personal project that i am working on is to create a gong um and so i'm making a gong Shit. like that for ritual um i will eventually my goal is to have a forge set up um in order to create ritual blades and swords um daggers etc um that is uh an additional piece that i did recently for myself was a ritual blade um so I'm not just limited to metal work. Um, I do some woodworking and stonework as well. Um, and yeah, for large scale things, I, I would love to, you know, I, I want to create gongs. I want to create aspects of, of satanic ritual items. Um, you know, I haven't experimented yet with bells yet, but I believe that I can, you know, I have the capability of making that. Um, I think especially in, in Denver here, gongs are a rare thing to come by. And yeah. I think rather than buy something shoddy from, you know, overseas, I'd rather create something myself for ritual and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I, th- I mean, if if we can kind of touch on that idea here for just a minute. Um Whenever you make anything yourself, you know, so I garden, uh, whenever you harvest food that you've grown, it is that much better. Um, not just the sense of satisfaction that you get, which obviously is significant, especially when dealing with a, a ritual scenario, because obviously uh, emotion and outlook have uh, a lot to do with the, the ritual process, but also the quality is always better. It's not a mass produced thing. You, you know, you're going to end up with what equal to what you put into it which again whenever you're dealing with ritual is massively important Um, and it can just give you that edge of of understanding that you may not have otherwise and so you know just speaking out really quick here to uh, the audience if if you commission a piece how much more powerful is that? You you're part of the design process. You're part of the creation. How much more powerful is that piece in your workings than something you found it on a shelf or or uh, just on an online gallery that you ordered? This is tailor made for you. That there's there's strength in that. I mean, in, in just in the concept alone, and then enacting that through ritual, if if uh, it strikes your fancy, I think is a fantastic idea. Um, I might have to fuck man, you're going to be taking my paychecks here. (laughs) Let me, uh, let me say again. Uh, I, I, I can attest to the quality and the process of working with you, uh, jeremy and it 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 was an absolute pleasure so let me say thank you very much really real quick here for the the wolf's hook cufflinks i think they're stunning and i've worn them a number of times since uh you originally sent them to me and ever again everyone is absolutely pleased with uh with what they look like and you know sort of green-eyed monsters there for, for not having a set themselves um Check out the email address I'm going to be including in the show notes. If you want to reach out to Jeremy for any work, uh, feel free. And are you fine with just doing estimates and you know on, on projects and stuff?
1: Yeah, that's absolutely fine. You can contact me and I'd love to work with people.
0: All right. You want to toss out your email address one last time?
1: Yeah. Uh, feel free to contact me at tertiarymetalworks at yahoo.com.
0: All right. Well, Jeremy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for the Cufflinks. Uh, Thank you for coming on the show and spending some time with me.
1: It's my pleasure. Thank you very Uh, much.
0: Yeah, until next project, the next time we talk, Hail Satan. Hail Satan. All right, and that is going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. You can visit the Satanette, Facebook, Google+, Twitter, or MySpace page for 9cents and get updated on weekly topics. Download the show Mondays via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, so look for us there. You can subscribe to Nine Cents via iTunes by searching Nine Cents, and don't forget to leave a rating and or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And the only way this podcast is going to live, the only way it's going to have any legs, is if you help. Tell a friend. Share Nine Cents. Help spread the word. Once again, thank you for joining me, and as always, I am your host, Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan!